In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, amen. Today is the fourth Sunday of Masori, and today's reading is from Mark chapter 13, verses 3 through 37. Now, as he sat on the Mount of Olives opposite the temple, Peter, James, John, and Andrew asked him privately, Tell us, when will these things be? And what will be the sign when all these things will be fulfilled? And Jesus answering them began to say, Take heed that no one deceives you, for many will come in my name, saying, I am he, and will deceive many. But when you hear of wars and rumors of wars, do not be troubled, for such things must happen, but the end is not yet. For nation will rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom, and there will be earthquakes in various places, and there will be famines and troubles. These are the beginnings of sorrows. But watch out for yourselves, for they will deliver you up to councils, and you will be beaten in the synagogues. You will be brought before rulers and kings for my sake, for a testimony to them. And the gospel must first be preached to all the nations. But when they arrest you and deliver you up, do not worry beforehand or premeditate what you will speak. For whatever is given you in that hour, speak that. For it is not you who speak, but the Holy Spirit. Now brother will betray brother to death and a father his child, and children will rise up against parents and cause them to be put to death. And you will be hated by all for my name's sake, but he who endures to the end shall be saved. So when you see the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel the prophet standing where ought not, let the reader understand. Then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. Let him who is on the housetop not go back into the house nor enter to take anything out of his house. And let him who is in the field not go back to get his clothes. But woe to those who are pregnant and to those who are nursing babies in those days. And pray that your flight may not be in winter. For in those days there will be tribulation, such as not had been since the beginning of creation, which God created until this time, nor ever ever shall be. And unless the Lord has shortened those days, no flesh would be saved. But for the elect's sake, whom he chose, he shortened the days. Then if anyone says to you, Look, here is the Christ, or look, here he is there, do not believe it. For false Christs and false prophets will rise and show signs and wonders to deceive, if possible, even the elect. But take heed, see, I have told you all things beforehand. But in those days after the tribulation, the sun will be darkened, and the moon will not give its light. The stars of heaven will fall, and the powers in the heavens will be shaken. Then all will see the Son of Man coming in the clouds with great power and glory. And then he will send his angels and gather together his elect from the four winds and from the farthest part of the earth to the farthest part of heaven. Now learn this parable from the fig tree. When its branch has already become tender and puts forth leaves, you know that summer is near. So you also, when you see these things happening, know that it is near at the doors. Assuredly, I say to you, this generation will by no means pass away till all these things take place. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will by no means pass away. But of that day and hour no one knows, not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, only, but only the Father. Take heed, watch, and pray, for you do not know when the time is. It is like a man going to a far country who left his house and gave authority to his servants and to each his work, and commanded the doorkeeper to watch. Watch, therefore, for you do not know when the master of the house is coming, in the evening, at midnight, at the crowing of the rooster, or in the morning, 
lest coming suddenly he find you sleeping. And what I say to you, I say to all, watch. And glory be to God forever. Amen. So as we said, uh, this is the fourth Sunday of Missouri. And as we approach the Feast of our church, uh, which is the Coptic New Year, which starts on September 11th, um, the readings of this week and also next Sunday uh, refer to the end of days. Um, so today's reading is from Mark chapter 13, and it articulates the same discussion with the apostles as next Sunday's reading, but it'll be out of March, uh, Matthew chapter 24. With the start of the Coptic New Year on September 11th, the year will be 1737, and the church uh, teaches us to remember a few things at this time. So first, the uh, second coming of our Lord. As we read in the book of Revelations, Christ will return and establish heaven, a place where peace and perfect joy will prevail, as uh, in Revelations chapter 7 uh, reads. Second, we also remember the martyrs who, through their love for Christ, testified concerning him under the threat of even death. For they knew indeed that they were trading an inferior life, the life that we're living now here on earth, to a more excellent one with their creator and will attain a, a level of perfection through their unity with him that was impossible to achieve on earth. This is indeed a powerful call to abandoning sin and fulfilling a more noble life with Jesus Christ on earth in our lives today. For all three of them, the martyrs, our upcoming end of our own life here on earth, and the end of ages and the second coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, they all signify the reality and the end of one era and the beginning of another, the end of our temporal life here and the beginning of our eternal spiritual life. We're continually being reminded of the age to come. For example, in the Lord's Prayer, we say, Thy kingdom come. So the Lord sought it fit uh, to include it in the model of all prayers that we look to that eternal kingdom, God's kingdom, which is to come. <clears throat> and consistent with the Lord's Prayer, the age to come is mentioned twice in the Creed, which we recite, of course, in a spirit of prayer. Uh, and not, though it's full of theology, we recite it in a spirit of prayer that Christ will come and judge the living and the dead whose kingdom shall have no end. And we also say at the end, we look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the coming age. Amen. So let's look at the martyrs, for example. The Coptic year is identified by the abbreviation Anno Martyrum, which uh, basically means Year of the Martyrs, and it starts on September 11th. Year one of this uh, 1,737 years, uh, year one was, of course, the year 284 AD, and it's when Diocletian um, took office as the emperor of the Roman Empire back then. It's an amazing paradox that we celebrate then Coptic New Year with the enthronement of one of the greatest persecutors of our church. This era of Diocletian was, was called the golden era in the history of the church with regard to how many people witnessed and gave their own lives to martyrdom uh, in the name of Jesus Christ uh, in the deepest, most powerful way, uh, which is, of course, martyrdom. The number of martyrs during this reign was in the hundreds of thousands. Uh, one historian estimated it to be about 840,000 um, um, just in Egypt alone. <clears throat> and more so uh, in other regions. And, and when you add all of that, the number increases more and more when you look at the whole world. Uh, we have some of the more well-known martyrs of that time. St. George, St. Mina, St. Abinoub, St. Maurice, St. Marina or Margarita in Latin. Uh, St. Barbara, St. Clodios, which is who was a three-year-old, St. Philomena, and many, many more. 
so so strong was the witness of Christianity at this time that it in in a short time the majority of the population became Christians at the end of the persecutions for this reason the church cherishes the martyrs not only on the feast of Nehru's but every day we read in the Senexarium and we learn about them also on their feast so that year-round we're also we're always commemorating the martyrs we build churches monasteries and altars in their names we write icons of them we light candles in front of them. We honor their bodies and their relics as we're sure that these are the same bodies that Christ will honor at the resurrection and the end of days, as he promised. They provide us a shining example of how to live our life and how to end our life and sacrifice to Christ as he sacrificed his life for us. They included the rich, the poor, women and children, even those who opposed Christianity, who not only converted, but gave their life for the faith. Martyrdom is the deepest and most powerful way to show the depth of our faith and love for Jesus Christ. But as St. Athanasius says, a very strong proof of this destruction of death and its conquest of the cross by the cross is supplied by the present fact, namely this. All the disciples of Christ despise death. They take the offensive against it, and instead of fearing it by the sign of the cross and by faith in Christ, trample on it as something dead and prefer to die rather than to deny their faith in Christ, knowing full well that when they die they do not perish, but live indeed, and become incorruptible through the resurrection. We look at even the modern martyrs, like the, for example, the famous ones a few years ago in uh, the Martyrs of Libya, and they, they have a powerful impact on us, right? The Romans and others who tried to wipe out Christianity back in the day, um, 1500, 1600 years ago or so, um, through the persecution, they find that it only gives an occasion for witnessing and actually was the cause of its spread across the whole world. St. Ignatius of Antioch, on the way of, to being martyred, some Christians were trying to stop it and, stop, uh, and try to set him free. Uh, he writes to them saying, I shall willingly die for God, unless you hinder me. I beg you not to show untimely kindness towards me. Allow me to become food for the wild beast that through them I will be granted to attain God, rather entice the wild beasts that they may become my tomb and may leave nothing of my body, so that when I have fallen asleep in death, I may be no trouble to anyone. Then shall I truly be a disciple of Christ, when the world shall not see so much as my body. But when I suffer, I shall be freed, I shall be the freed man of Jesus and shall rise again emancipated by him. So the martyrs teach us that death is only the end of this life and a beginning of a new and much more excellent life. Just like now we end the calendar and begin a new calendar and God willing the next year will be much better than this year. Our end date is something else that we learn from the uh, start of the new calendar. The church teaches us to keep our memory in our memory that our time on earth has an end, that it's temporary and that it's not even a long time either. Not to depress us or to make us sad, but to encourage us to make our life have meaning and to matter. A few days ago, a very great servant passed away, uh, Father Lucas, uh, Father Lua uh, Sedaros. Um, I personally didn't know him too well. I, I did have the pleasure of meeting him on occasion. Um, but I knew of him and I knew many of his children, his spiritual children. Um, it was a great example uh, of one who fought the good fight and finished the race victorious. But in his, in his absence, he left blessed memories to many of 
his love for everyone, his zeal for service, his fatherly care, and his sermons, these things remain in his absence until we see him again. We also remember Psalm 37, which says, Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and feed on his faithfulness. The Lord knows the days of the upright and their inheritance shall be forever. Our works done in this life, works performed through faith, hope, and love, are never forgotten by Christ. We may forget, but he will never forget the good that we do. He is, however, eager and willing to forget the evil that we do if we depart from them. The Lord is the discerner of the hearts. He knows what's inside of us and the things that we do in secret. Even a single cup of cold water given to refresh a soul is promised to never be forgotten by him and has its reward. A rock thrown in a pond makes a splash and disappears quickly. But the ripples from that rock remain long after the rock has sunk into the pond or into the river. In the same way, knowing that one day we will not be here in the flesh. This knowledge and this memory of our end sparks this fire of energy inside of us to make our life mean something. When we're gone, what we have done remains impacting others. Our children, our friends, our family, our co-workers, our whole sphere of life, uh, everyone in that sphere of life will be impacted by the things we've done. Let's have our lives have meaning, have great meaning, which comes from walking in Christ, of course. As our Lord says, To him who overcomes, I will grant to sit with me on my throne, as I also overcame and sat with my Father on his throne. Many throughout human history have fought for various thrones. They were willing to even kill and to die and to sacrifice all so that they may gain or keep their earthly thrones. But in contrast to worldly rulers, Christ has died so that we may share his throne. God's rewards and glory and peace and joy he gives to those who seek him are beyond our thinking and imagination. Uh, and it's beyond any comparison with even the most powerful people on earth. He even shares his eternal throne with us. It's an amazing paradox. The remembrance of our own death gives meaning to our life and allows us to recognize its value. James chapter 4 um, it says, For what is your life? It is even a vapor that appears for a little time and then vanishes away. It's like a vapor that has a very short life. It encourages us to live a life worthy of the calling which we were called. If we do that, are we going to get in, entailed in the petty issues that often consume us? Are we going to stay angry with anyone for too long? Of course not, right? We'll let these things kind of brush off, brush off of us. In the 11th hour of the book of prayers, we say, Hasten, O Savior, to open to me the fatherly embrace, for I wasted my life in pleasures and lusts, and the day has passed by me and vanished. In contemplating the meaning of life, Solomon the prophet says, Let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is man's all. God will bring every work into judgment, including every secret thing, whether good or evil. It's a great reminder to always keep our end before us. We should always remember that our time on earth is short and everything that we have that God gave us will be taken away from us in due time and we will have to give an account for how we used everything he gave us. This is not to make us depressed or sad, but to grasp the true meaning of life and that we can make that life mean something, that it's precious, that it's only a short time, that we should make it count. Like that rock that's thrown in the pond of this world, we should make the biggest splash we can in this world so that the ripples may remain forever even after we're gone in the sight of God. 
we will look back and say, I should have done more. There, we will always look back and say, there's things I could have done more, I could have worked harder, and these mistakes I did wasted my time, and these things that I pondered on, and this bitterness that I held on to wasted those precious years. And it's the worst feeling, that we have a feeling of regret. It's even worse than the feeling of failure, is the feeling of regret. So let's not have that regret, and starting today, let's make that life mean something. As our Lord Jesus Christ said in today's gospel, we don't know when the master of the house is coming, whether it is the end of the world or the end of our time on the world. He is coming quickly. That day is coming quickly, sooner than we uh, imagine it to be sometimes. So let us look forward to that little time we have left to mend those broken relationships, to repent of our sins, to pray and develop our relationship with God, and to build that spiritual house in heaven that will last forever. Next week, God willing, we'll read the same discussion our Lord has with the disciples, but this time out of the Gospel of St. Matthew, and we'll briefly look at the end of ages or the second coming of our Lord. So for now, may God grant us the foresight to make our present life count and have great meaning with Jesus Christ our Lord through the prayers of all the choir of the martyrs. To him be glory forever. Amen.